Welcome to the She's Brave podcast, where I help women be brave and go after what they really want in life. I'm Tiffany, certified coach and counselor, here to help guide you on this journey. Hey, so today I have Caitlin Parsons. She is a certified intuitive eating and body image coach. She also has her own podcast called the Modern Girl Podcast. This interview, guys, is amazing. We talk a lot about not only body image and having food freedom, but also about disordered eating, bulimia, and why diet culture really doesn't work. If this is something that is a issue for you or that is something that you're really wanting to learn more about, this is the podcast for you. Get ready for some great conversation and some great insights on how to not only love your body, but have a healthy relationship with food. All right. So today I have Caitlin Parsons and I'm so excited because she is an intuitive eating coach and she has so much knowledge to share and I am just so grateful to have her on today. So yeah, Caitlin, thank you so much. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here and to meet your community and I'm just really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you, Tiffany. Oh, no problem. Thank you. So I always like to get started just so, you know, people know just a little bit about you and your story and the work that you do. Yeah. So this story is, it it can be long. I will give you the Cliff Notes version so we can get into more, some more fun stuff. How's that sound? That sounds good. So I, I struggled with food and body image for most of my life. I, I was lactose intolerant when I was growing up. So even at the age of, I think I was six months, I, I had a really severe allergic reaction to milk. Um, and from there, I was really restrictive around all of the dairy products that I could have and anything related to that. And I always like to say this was this was back in the day when there was nothing cool about being vegan or plant-based or anything related to non-dairy. This was like the section of the grocery store where uh, you had to like go through the back of the shelf to get to the the non-dairy product. So I can't even imagine being in my mom's place at that time, but it was, it, it was almost this introduction into my life of having a restriction placed on me around what I could and couldn't eat. And it's interesting to reflect on that because looking back now that that really shaped my relationship with food um, kind of out of the womb. And I know that's not a lot of people's experience, but for me, it was my first, it was my first experience with restriction, with food restriction out of necessity because I was highly allergic, but still restriction nonetheless. So getting to a place where I was able to eat dairy products, I had healed uh, the allergy by the time I was getting out of elementary school. And, and at that time I was eating all of the things that I couldn't eat. And I was just being a kid and, you know, loving life and making up dances to 
Backstreet Boys and watching Clueless and just having fun food with all my friends and, and all of the things. And then going into middle school, that was the first time where I really realized, okay, this, this means something being in my own body. And there's a judgment and a comparison and an expectation that women are, are meant to live up to. And I saw that a lot just from friends and from the girls that I was, I was around at school. And so I started to take it into my own hands to diet and change the way I was eating, change the size of my body. Obviously um, my body did change and I got a lot of praise for that, which was just, just fueling the fire essentially into my disordered eating. And by the end of middle school, I, I had been restricting so much that I just really couldn't even take it anymore. And that kind of catapulted me into bulimia and really Tiffany off and on from God, I I guess I was 14 going into high school until the middle of my twenties, 25, 26, I struggled on and off with bulimia and absolutely disordered eating. And I, I want to put an asterisk by this as well too. This was silent. Nobody knew. It was a big secret that I was keeping. I didn't really know anybody else who was struggling with bulimia. I actually don't even know if I had the language to give myself that that's what I was struggling with at the time. It just wasn't talked about. The only, the only place that I was really seeing this was like lifetime movies and even watching girls who were being depicted in those storylines. I felt like that was extreme and I just wasn't, I wasn't even remotely close to that. And so there was a lot of fear around it and there was a lot of avoidance. And I also want to just share that I was always known as the healthy eater growing up. I was always, I was always praised for my willpower and ordering the right thing off of the menu and not eating, you know, the cookies at the party or people coming to me and asking, you know, what, what I do for movement and what I, what I do, what type of food I eat and all of these things. And so it became my identity and uh, it also fueled the fire and and kept me in this really disordered place and really destructive place. I mean, it, bulimia is a really serious eating disorder. And especially knowing what I know now, I, uh, I just have so much compassion for everybody who is, is struggling with it. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate for the work that I do now around that. Um, but fast forwarding to my mid twenties, I hit my rock bottom. Once again, I relapsed with bulimia. I, I reached out for help and really got a great therapist um, who was supporting me with really healing this once and for all. And from there, my relationship with food shifted into almost orthorexia. I was using the concept food as medicine in a really unhealthy way and taking it to the extreme, very much in that black or white thinking, that all or nothing mindset, that perfectionistic um, thought pattern that I had just kind of lived my life by up until this point. And I did. I, I thought that 
eating clean, quote unquote, and eating plant-based and all of the foods that didn't have the funky chemicals and all of the things, that was the thing that was healing my bulimia. And that kind of led into the next chapter of my life, which was going back and getting my certification as a health coach and really committing to do do this work in a different way and and helping other women heal their relationships with food but i was also still struggling so it felt really there was a lot of shame it felt um felt really confusing for me because my heart and my mission and my passion were for supporting other women and letting them know that that they didn't have to be scared and that food food could feel comforting and and not obsessive and all of these things and my intentions were really pure and my clients were getting results too but I was very much struggling with binge eating still my binges had kind of transformed into this this cycle of overeating massive green smoothies and giant trays of vegetables and you know, bags of nuts and dates and protein bars and all of these things. And just remember having this immense shame and this guilt and just kind of putting it on the back burner and feeling like this must just be a me thing. I must be broken. Um, and I'll figure it out later because I don't really have time for it. I'm, I'm growing a business. I'm, I'm committed to supporting my clients. And I, once again, just put myself to the side. Um, and I also, you know, I, I've written some content around this recently, but a part of me didn't want to give up the binges. A part of me did not want to heal my binge eating. And I think that's something that we don't talk about nearly enough in our culture, especially as women, but I was getting a lot of joy out of binging. I couldn't imagine what my life would be like if I didn't have that option. If I was in a car commute for a long time and I didn't, I didn't have binging as an option or if I was alone on the couch at the end of a, a really long day and I didn't have food to comfort me or if I was drinking with friends then I knew that that wasn't an option at the end of the night. Food had really just been there for me for so long, literally most of my life, that to even think about not having that as an option, it felt really scary and that that really just also shows the emotions that I was suppressing at the time that I really wasn't ready to look at. And I always like to tell my clients now food is serving a purpose. Our binges are serving a purpose. And mm -hmm. this work is really personal. It's really deep and emotional. And you have to be ready to really dig into it and heal intentionally in a way that's, that's going to feel supportive for you. And so fighting tooth and nail through, through health coaching and just, you know, white knuckling my, my disordered eating and trying to make everything work and put on a happy face and all of these things. I finally had another breaking point and I had been introduced to intuitive eating. Um, Christy Harrison is a leader in this industry for everybody listening. I highly recommend reading her book, Anti-Diet, as well as her podcast, Food Psych. And she was the first introduction for me into intuitive eating. And I was not ready to hear it. I, I went in with my fists up thinking, what is this? This is so against everything that I stand for. If I eat intuitively, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to eat all of the crap 
that I really want to eat that I'm restricting all day long and I'm going to feel like crap in my body and all of these things. And I just was so misinformed about it and also really triggered by it because I think deep down I knew that that's what I really needed. Um, but there was a lot of, a lot of miscommunication in the way that I was in, interpreting the information. And long story short, I, I finally reached a point a few years ago where I realized, okay, the binging isn't working anymore. It's creating all of this other anxiety and emotional stuff that I have to look at. So I, I found an amazing therapist who I'm still working with today. I'm a big believer in therapy and it's a really great compliment for the, the work that I do now with clients. And so I always recommend somebody having a therapist when we do this work. Um, but I, I really started to dig into the research of intuitive eating and work with somebody to support me in beginning to heal my relationship with food and my body image on a really deep intentional level. And, and that kind of led me into the work that I do today. It was, it was kind of like coming up for air once again in my life where I realized this, uh, this is something that I've been suppressing for a long time. And it also felt really peaceful. It felt like the work that I was meant to be doing in the world and redirecting my mission in a way that felt really powerful and intentional and purposeful based on everything that I had struggled with. And so I got my intuitive eating certification through the, the founders of the movement. I, my formal education is with uh, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, and they're amazing. They're the creators of intuitive eating and have been doing this work for over 20 years. There's over 125 scientific studies to date, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Uh, and then I went on to do my body image certification with um, two amazing women, Marcy Evans and Fiona Sutherland. And and here we are. And, and I always like to say as well, too, when I share this story, I'm still on the journey. And I, I know this sounds morbid and intense, but you know, when you're done, you're dead. We're always growing. We're always learning. We're always evolving. There's always something new. And in terms of food in our bodies, our bodies are always changing. And so that's always going to bring up new things for us to look at and, and feel supported with. But um, but that's where I am today. And I, I feel so incredibly grateful for all of the ups and downs um, because they've led me to, to the work that I get to do with my clients and also for myself. So that's, that's a, a very broad overview of everything. Yeah. So first I wanted to say thank you for being so vulnerable and being so open with your story and telling us about, you know, the ups and the downs and everything that's, in the complex relationship that you've had with food and how that's changed and, and how I like how you mentioned that it's a process. You're still growing. We're all, your body changes and, and the relationship you have with food changes and that we're always growing and evolving. Um, I really love that because I think that sometimes we believe that we, you know, everything has to be perfect and everything has to be, has to be, like this, it has to look perfect or we're a failure. And I think that giving yourself that grace and saying that, okay, you know, I'm still learning and growing. That is so powerful. Yeah. Thank you. And 
perfectionism was one of those deep rooted parts of this journey that I actually didn't even have a name for when I was, when I was really struggling. You know, what's funny, Tiffany, the first time I was called a perfectionist was actually by a business coach that I was working with a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, she, she just mentioned, like, I think that this is a little perfectionistic and I was really offended. And I thought, but I'm really laid back and I'm really chill. And I had never even heard, heard of perfectionism in that lens. And that kind of opened up the door for me to do a lot of research around perfectionism. And as soon as I did, I was like, oh my gosh, this is, (laughs) this is literally what's been contributing to all of these all of these wounds and these, uh, these struggles and these cycles. So it was really enlightening. Yeah. So tell me about intuitive eating. So I know that's what you do and it, your passion and, but for those who may not know exactly what intuitive eating is, uh, could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So intuitive eating, like I mentioned before, it was created by, the two dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Uh, there's a book called Intuitive Eating. They actually just released a new edition this year, and it's fantastic and a really, really solid introduction into this work. So for everybody listening, I highly recommend grabbing that off of Amazon or your local bookstore. There's also an intuitive eating workbook that goes really well with that book as well too. But essentially, intuitive eating is an evidence-based philosophy for healing your relationship with food in a way that brings you back to neutrality, peace, confidence. It, it gives you back your voice around, around food so that you can move through life and honor your hunger, respect your fullness, eat in a way that feels really good and nourishing so that you can feel comfortable in your body. And I get a lot of questions around, well, what's the difference between eating intuitively or intuitive eating? And, you know, the goal of intuitive eating is so that you can eat intuitively, so that you can get back to that place where food is just food. It's not this obsession or this controlling aspect of our lives. And it's not this dramatic, dramatic tool that is dictating all of these emotions. It's taking us back to that place where food is really just one part of life. It's not the focus and, um, and having that really peaceful relationship with it. And we're all born intuitive eaters. And so a lot of work that I do with my clients really, uh, is going back to that memory of, of being an intuitive eater and acknowledging when that shifted, what, what was the first diet or what was the first unintentional food rule or, uh, perhaps a comment that was overheard as it relates to food, something that shifted the way that you quote unquote should be eating. And, you know, the reality is we're living in diet culture. It's all around us, Mm -hmm. all of these external reinforcements for what we, what we should be eating, what health is. And a big part of intuitive eating is looking at that. It's rejecting diet culture because essentially all of those external reinforcements erode our body trust. And the goal of intuitive eating is to bring you back to where you are trusting your body. You are able to 
feel comfortable and not chaotic, chaotic around food and eat when you're hungry and stop when you're comfortably full and really feel satisfied by food at the end of the day. Um, and this is all based around 10 principles too. Um, and it's really beautiful getting into this work. We, we go through rejecting the diet mentality, uh, re, repair, repairing and healing your hunger and fullness and satiety cues. But then we also get into movement and how we move our bodies and how that's serving us and finding really intuitive, joyful movement. Um, we talk a lot about self-care. It's based around a self-care framework, which I know, Tiffany, you're really passionate about as well too, but it is, it is getting clear on where am I not taking care of myself? Where am I not setting boundaries? Where am I not feeling heard or expressed in a healthy way? Where is the communication not optimal that is, that's setting me up for a lot of emotional distress where I might be using food as a tool to cope versus another, another coping tool. And it's not shaming emotional eating at all. That, that's actually not related at all to this. And there's a lot of really strong, um, language supporting that, it's actually building in other tools so that we can look at our emotions when they come up and decide what tool is going to be the best to support that emotional need. Um, yeah, that's, that's a really broad overview, kind of like my personal story but of intuitive eating. Does that make sense? It does. So I'm so interested in this. So because I know a lot of people believe that, you know, dieting is like the way, you know, to go and with, to lose weight and, and to be healthy. But then there's a lot of, um, so the diet culture, then we have the, um, I like that you mentioned, mentioned the orthorexia where, you know, you're really just fixating on, you know, the clean eating and everything, but in an unhealthy way. And then there's this, I love the idea of the body trust with, with intuitive eating, it's like, okay, really trusting your body and um, really being in tune with how you're feeling and what your body needs. So for someone there, this is, cause this is very new for me. So as far as how does, how does everything fit together with like diet culture and, and, and everything? So how does someone shift, I guess, from being in this mentality of thinking that diet culture is the way to go to really um, being healthy and really listening to their body? That's a really, I guess that's a very broad question, but yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate the question. And I, you know, I, I think my answer has changed around this a lot. And right now I would say the entry point is self-compassion to really acknowledge that we're living in this culture that dictates so much of the messaging that we're receiving intentionally and unintentionally. And this is passed down for generations. Yeah. So it's what our, what it's what our families are talking about. It's what the uh, blogs are writing. It's what we're seeing on Instagram. It's what's showing up in the fiction books we're reading. It's, it's so sneaky and intrusive and, and it's everywhere. And, we're not really taught how to decipher what diet culture is to make the choice on our own. So I always, you know, I'm saying self-compassion because it's really important to remember, especially when we get into this work, that it's not your fault. It's not your fault at all. And there's no shame in having gone on diets or feeling like you need diets to cope. They serve a purpose. And 
I always say curiosity, compassion, self-kindness, um, really leading with those things when we do the work is essential because we have to, we have to look at the past in a way that's going to give us information for where we are today. And when we get into the work of intuitive eating, we really start to look in the world from a different lens. We do start to notice the language. Mm -hmm. We do start to notice the, um, the shoulds that other people are, are positioning or the ways that women are talking about their bodies or, um, just society at large. And so it's, it's coming out, it's coming at this from a different way and, and being really mindful about that as well too. And one of the best exercises for everybody who's listening is just get curious. If you're interested in really acknowledging uh, diet culture around us, one of the best ways we can do that is noticing the shoulds. Mm -hmm. So work at, at the time of this recording, we're coming into the holidays and the new year. And we all know how that goes. And so this is actually a really interesting place to start observing, but what are your family members saying? What are the, what are the, um, new year, new you books and podcasts and just messaging? Like what, what is all of that how is all that showing up and how is it standing out to you now that you can go into this from a different, different perspective. And it's also intentional in the fact that, you know, most people have the intention of trying diets and, and all of these things because they want to feel good in their bodies and they want to mm-hmm. feel confident. And there's a lot of unpacking there because at the core, and I don't want to beat around the bush, it's, it's weight loss. Most people want to lose weight. Most people want to be at a smaller body, but the truth is, and there's so much evidence about this diets don't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a 95% fail rate with diets. And most people regain the weight, if not more within the next five years of, of weight loss. And that alone is a really strong uh, statistic to have in the back of your mind when you are starting diets. Um, but it, there's just there's so many nuances and there's so many components. And so that's why self-compassion is really key. And also curiosity when, when we start to go into this work and really just observe the languaging that's around us. Yeah. And I think it's, I think because a lot of us, we don't realize, like you're saying, we don't realize the shoulds. Like there's a saying in my, um, when I did my coaching certification is don't should on yourself. You shouldn't, yes. you know, don't should on yourself. Um, there is no should, there is no way that you should be. And I think that um, the messaging that's so powerful, the messaging that not only society gives us, like you're saying, but also our family and friends. Mm-hmm. And then we're usually reacting out of this in a way because we're not aware of the messaging or the way that we've internalized that within ourselves. So yeah, that, that is like where the biggest shift comes from. It sounds like, yeah. It's complicated, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's it's really countercultural. It's counterintuitive in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of unlearning and relearning that, that has to happen. And I also want to say that this isn't all at once either. It takes time to heal our relationships with food. It, mm-hmm. it, it takes, and so patience is really key going through this as well too. But really, you know, when we think about um, 
reversing the shoulds and reframing that, one of the best ways that we can do that that feels really nice is how do I want to feel? Mm-hmm. And and really getting curious around, well, how how does food make me feel? How does it feel to not eat enough? How does it feel when I eat too much? How does it feel to eat certain types of foods in terms of energy and joy and satisfaction and satiety and all of these things, but, um, you know, really getting to a place where you have more information around the food that you're eating so that you can make informed choices without being attached to all of these external beliefs and shoulds. Uh, It's coming from more of an intuitive place because you've revised the vocabulary and essentially your, your library of information around how food makes you feel. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I was wondering, so is that the idea of having food freedom? Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, food freedom is, is really, I feel like it's such a buzzy word now, but how, you know, how good does that sound just being free from food? And I, I always think of um, being a kid, you know, and we all have that memory where where I'm sure for me, it was just, yeah, dancing with my friends and recording funny home videos and like having snacks without worrying about it and and eating Mm -hmm. lunch and going out to dinner with my family and having barbecues and and just letting food be food. And um, there's, there's so many so many examples of this, but yeah, food freedom is really getting to that place where you, you experience the joy with food and food shifts into a different meaning in, in our lives in a way that doesn't feel controlling. It doesn't feel obsessive. It doesn't feel, uh, it doesn't feel like it's attached to the size and shape of our body. And, and we can really begin to make peace with it in a way that that allows us to feel more comfortable uh, and and enjoy life in a different way as well too, because it's not the only thing that we're thinking about. And when we don't have food food freedom, you know, a lot of my clients uh, and I was this way as well too. Let's just talk about food preoccupation and food obsession and just the guilt and the shame and the anxiety. If you're living your life around shoulds, that's setting you up for a host of food guilt and anxiety, because if you don't follow through with the shoulds, I mean, I, I have so many memories of this, just not eating what I should have eaten or overeating or under eating and, and then binging later and, and just beating myself up because I knew I should have done it differently. And it's really letting go of that. And there's so much freedom when we can release that food preoccupation and obsession as well too. Yeah. I love the word joy. That's the thing that stood out to me through, through all of this and through um, you explaining, you know, the food freedom and everything is really having joy with food. Cause I think that when we're, let's say someone's trying to lose weight because they're not happy with the size of their body, then food becomes like this, this thing where it's like, I'm not happy about this. I have to like do all of this and I have to track all of this. And now I'm like, I have this, it becomes like a, a burden almost, or um, yeah, it becomes like a burden where you're really judging everything, like everything that you're 
consuming and to have that idea of having joy around food and really go back to, like you said, when you're a kid and you're like, I'm not thinking about, you know, what, what I ate or how many calories it was, or I just ate and I ate based on how I felt. So that Mm. is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been using that word a lot lately and I just, I, I'm really resonating with it. Um, yeah. So I, it's cool that you picked up on that. And I also just want to share too, that uh, spoiler alert for everybody who's listening and, and I'm sure you may or may not know this, Tiffany, but it's very rarely just about the food oh, and it's yeah. very rarely just about our bodies and the shape and the size and the weight loss and all of those things. Um, this is food as a vehicle into exploring what we're really covering up. And that's why it it takes time to be ready to do this work as well, too. My goal with everybody that I support is to get you to a place where we can really look at the root cause and really get clear on what's causing this, this food preoccupation and the need to diet all the time and the need to change our bodies. And, you know, a lot of this goes back to our, like I mentioned before, expression, um, boundaries, perfectionism, values. I, I love doing values work with clients because that's one of the first, first places where we can really make changes when, when we get clear on what our values are and where they're out of alignment in our life. If we're not living in alignment with our values, then we're going to feel the need to control in some areas. Um, because we're not having that need met in a way that feels really good. And so there are so many other aspects to intuitive eating that have nothing to do with food. And it's also another reason why I love working with a therapist simultaneously to this work, because it just allows us to go so much deeper in the healing um, and really creates that, that extra sustainability in, in all of this work. So, yeah. Because when you change those patterns and you change that mindset, it cha- that is where the sustainable change happens. Because mm-hmm. like you're saying, this isn't, it's not about food. It's about how you, there's about some internalization that you've, that you've created. It's about some story that you're telling yourself. I'm not worthy if I'm not skinny, I'm not worthy. Or there's something behind all of that. So yes, when you resolve, like you said, when you get to the root of what the real issue is, then you're free from it. And then you have the tools to move forward in a way that's very intentional. Yeah. Tools and skills. Like a lot of this is just relearning too. We're just not taught this. And it's one of my, it's one of my personal missions to educate and to teach and to inform so that we can change the language in our culture and we can, we can feel comfortable um, speaking up in order to make changes as well too. And so yeah, we've got a lot of work to do, but it starts with us, right? It starts with with how we have our own relationships with food and our bodies, and and um, you know, I always say with this work too, it can get a little sticky because the new information that you're learning might not line up with what your best friend is saying or what your mom is saying or what your family is saying. And so that's also where I really love supporting clients too. How do we navigate those difficult conversations? How do we set those boundaries and also give other people compassion who, who are just stepping into the work? Um, I'm thinking of one client right now who, Oh, I love her so much. And when she, when she really started to 
learn about intuitive eating and just diet culture. And we started doing a lot of body image work. She just took it and ran with it and got so excited, but also just, she got mad. And a lot of my clients do because it, it does kind of feel like, wow, I've been duped. I've been like duped in this culture (laughs) that is teaching me to eat this way and not trust my body and behave like as a good girl and as this, um, you know, not be too loud and fit in this, this one type of body and all of these things. And so when she really started to learn the information about where this is coming from historically, politically, and also just culturally, um, you know, it, it was a moment for her where she was like, wow, I can't turn back now. Like I've, I've seen it and how do I integrate it? And so a lot of my clients are, are, are like that as well too. And so we do work together on how to gently integrate, um, this work into their own lives in a way that feels really good and, and not intrusive necessarily, but leading by example is, is one of the best ways to, to start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause once you see it and once you're, once you have that awareness, she's right. You can't, you can't go back and you can't go back to the way you used to think. And yeah, this is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, it, and I know your story too, and it's, it's really, awareness is it shows up in so many parts of our life and so if you've ever had that experience before where it's like the light bulb went off or you heard something or were introduced to to something that just shift shifted your mindset this is another one of those areas in our life because it is so uh it's so personal we've got to eat to live and that's also one of the most confusing parts about food as well too we're living in this culture that's really teaching us and, and dictating how we eat. And at the same time, that's breeding restriction, which leads to binging, body distrust, all of the things. And it essentially perpetuates food on this cycle where it really feels like a drug because we also get so many emotional uh, components from eating because food is emotional. It's nostalgic. We all have memories from food. Food is food is a coping tool for a reason. And that's not a bad thing. It's just something to acknowledge in this process as well, too. It's part of being human. Yeah. So really quickly, I wanted to say congratulations because I saw that you just created a new program called the mm. binge eating solution. I Could you just, you know, briefly tell us a little bit about that? Cause I love the work that you're doing and all that you do with your clients. So Thank you. Yeah, I am so excited about this group. And I've, I've run several, oh, I've run a handful of, of groups at this part in at this point in my career, it's just been a little while. And so, you know, coming into 2020, I was getting really clear on on the type of clients that I really wanted to support and the work that I wanted to do. And I just felt really strongly called to work with one-on-one clients. And so that's really been where I've, I've directed a lot of my attention this year is just loving on them and supporting them. And I still have one-on-one clients and I still am am taking on -on one-on-one clients, but you know, over the past month, I've just felt this really strong desire to, support women who are struggling specifically with, with binging and binge eating. And I, I know that term can feel really triggering and really scary and it can mean a lot of different things. And so I want to be really clear. I, 
this is not a group for women who have binge eating disorder, a diagnosable eating disorder. And if you have any questions around that, um, I'm happy to talk about that with you. Um, and, and I, I say pretty clearly in the, in the page to opt in to join that it's, uh, it's not a group for women who are struggling with eating disorders just because it's outside of my scope of practice and really would require somebody else who is, um, a, ther a therapist or a nutritionist specific to eating disorders in that sense. So just a disclaimer, but if you have a relationship with food where you are caught in the restrict binge cycle, where you feel that loss of control eating and um, that disconnection with food and your body and, and really overeating to that point of discomfort more than you would like to, uh, that's exactly why I created this group. And that really stems from my own lived experience, my professional education, the, the women that I support today. It's really helping you understand why this is happening, exactly what's going on in this cycle, in this cycle of restricting and binging and actually teaching you sustainable solutions and skills so that we can really make peace with food and you can have a really calm, neutral, relaxed relationship around food and feel good in your body. And, and also Tiffany, this was really um, present on my heart. I will run this again in the new year, most likely, but it was really present on my heart through the holidays because I struggled so much with binging specifically around the holidays. And you know, I think I even wrote this in the copy for my sales page, but it wasn't the fact that I was overeating. That was already something that I was dealing with pretty much, you know, like a few days out of the week for the year. And it was really just that idea of, man, I, I can't do another holiday season where I'm just thinking about food and I'm sneaking back into the kitchen, eating the leftovers, and I'm not present with my family and I'm not making these memories and, and all of these things. And I know so many of my clients, I mean, I'm thinking of a couple of clients now who we've been working together for almost a year. And when we started doing this work around the holidays last year, just story after story of just feeling out of control around food and so much shame and guilt and just frustration for not being able to enjoy those really precious moments. Um, and now it, it, they're to a place where food is just food and they are able to have cookies sitting on the counter without eating the entire thing. And they are able to bake brownies without worrying about eating the whole pan or cook and not feel like they have to give it all away or, you know, fear any type of food in the house. And it, it really is that peaceful relationship. So it's an eight week group coaching program. It's a high touch group coaching program. So that means that, um, it's, it's really for the woman who is ready to be in this type of container where where you can speak up and you can feel heard and accepted and understood and share vulnerably with the other women um, and also get direct support from me through the eight weeks. And so a big part of this is ev evidence-based education, but a, an even bigger part is really just the support, the processing, the unpacking, and then teaching you the tools and the skills to heal binge eating for good. And I really want to uh, put an exclamation part on, on that as well too, because I totally get it. I've, I was burned so many times thinking this will never, 
this will I'll never find a way out. I'll never be able to stick to this. And it's not about willpower. It's not about finding a plan. It's really about getting to the root cause of what's causing the binging and building in sustainable solutions to heal that. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about it. Yes. Yes. So I want to first say thank you so much for this. And I know this is going to be so helpful. Um, I've learned a lot in the shorter period um, of time that we've talked, Um, but any last words or thoughts or anything that you want to leave and then how can people find you? Mm, Thank you for having me, Tiffany. I love talking about this. Um, It's just so close to my heart. And for everybody who's listening, the one thing that's coming up for me to share is to just be kind to yourself right now and be gentle and just notice the emotions that are coming up in this conversation. Just after, you know, we're coming to an end, just sit with the feeling and don't rush past it. Notice if you're feeling uncomfortable, notice if you're feeling encouraged, notice if you're feeling hopeful or triggered and just be with that. Um, Because it is hard to hear this, especially if it's the first time that that you're hearing it. And it's also, um, you know, this work is really meant for, for women who are ready to dig into it. And so there's no rush feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to do this right now. It's not a quick fix. It's available for you when you're, when you're really ready to embrace it and get support around healing in a deeper way. Um, and, and so, yeah, just compassion, really want to acknowledge that for everybody listening and to take care of yourself after hearing this conversation too. Um, and where everybody can find me, I'm, I'm on Instagram at, at my name, Caitlin Parsons. I have a Facebook group that is a really amazing community, which I actually just started back up again, but it's called the Binge Eating and Body Image Community on Facebook. And you can hop in there and connect with all the amazing women there. And it's free. I'm in there doing trainings and having guest speakers uh, come in and out of there as well, too. And my podcast, um, the Modern Girl Podcast, which you you will be on Tiffany. We did an interview recently. And so I I don't know when this is coming out, but I'm so excited for that conversation to release. But those are all of the places. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I can't (laughs) wait for our episode to come out on your podcast as well. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much. I'll make sure I'll put all of that in the show notes so people can find you because this work is, is needed so much. And it makes such a difference. Um, yeah. Thank so, you. Thank yeah, you, Stephanie. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And um, I just really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing too. It's so cool to be able to have conversations like this and collaborate. Yes, definitely. 